11 Dumbcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. You know what? Last week we were sitting here, or not last week, a few days ago we were sitting here and talking about um, how we were going to start the Dubcast and some of this news about Northwestern had just kind of started to break and we were like, you know, we got stuff to do. Maybe there's other things going on in our lives and maybe this Northwestern story will evolve a little bit when we kind of meet back together and, and talk about it. Actually, Johnny, if I can dial it back further, yeah, go for it. I actually put the story up on the front page oh. of 11 Warriors Sunday afternoon. There you go. And when I clocked out at 8 p.m., I, I just kind of absentmindedly went to, you know, lie down on my bed. And then I was like, oh, wait, Johnny and I have to record a <laughs> podcast. So I messaged Johnny and I was like, hey, can you give me like an hour so I could just like, you know, get back into the swig of things? And Johnny was like, why don't we just do it tomorrow yeah. night? And I said, that's probably good because let's see what happens with Pat Fitzgerald. Exactly right. And then he got fired. That's right. And and I think both of us realized that that was the story had yet to be fully played out on that. And we were both correct because as of now, Pat Fitzgerald is out as uh, Northwestern's head coach. And we'll – We'll give you all the, the goings and comings of Ohio State football and sports at large here in a little bit. But uh, we want to start with a story because it's probably the biggest story. It is the biggest story in the Big Ten and, and maybe even in the country in college football right now. And, you know, recapping all of this would be difficult, I think. And, and you know, the minutia, right, that all the details of the story has because it feels like there's something new that pops up like literally every second. Uh, the long and short of it is, is that there's been allegations about hazing, uh, racial abuse, and other things that have been, you know, kind of like going on uh, at Northwestern, apparently for a well over a decade at this point, since at least the mid-2000s is what's been alleged. Uh, a lot of this comes from, uh, you know, players uh, the Daily Northwestern actually put some stuff out there. This is July 8th, so this is a couple of days ago as of this recording. Uh, someone who says, uh, quote, I've seen it with my own eyes, and it's just absolutely egregious and vile and inhumane behavior. Um, they were talking about running, which is essentially like not, you know, like running stairs. They're talking about like, you know, harassing someone, uh, putting them in a dark locker room and like, you know, assaulting them, that kind of stuff. Again, this is all stuff that's been alleged. And then, you know, you have things uh, that come out in the ESPN story where they're talking about, um, you know, the things that are happening in the showers. And then another player is saying anonymously that the first player was, you know, out to get Pat Fitzgerald. And who knows what is really happening behind the scenes here. But I just want to kind of pare this down to a few points uh, that I think are kind of really important. First of all, the hazing uh, seems to have been pretty well substantiated by ESPN, uh, who has reported that, you know, they've seen like pictures that at least um, substantiate at least part of the story that was told on uh, Daily Northwest, Northwestern and, and to other people. Um, again, none of it's proven, but still, it seems pretty bad. And now more allegations are coming out about racism that's been happening within the team and the program. Um, to me, Obviously, that kind of stuff, you know, even if Pat Fitzgerald wasn't aware of it, which Northwestern is saying their internal investigation suggests that maybe he wasn't. I don't, first of all, understand how that's possible. Secondly, uh, if it is possible, if that is the case, I think that's a huge failure on his part and a fireable offense in of itself. 
Um, so that's the first part. Like this is to me just complete <laughs> dereliction of, of your role as a head coach uh, for this to, to go on and to continue whether you knew about it or not. If you knew about it, that's awful. And if you didn't know about it, that's that's also really bad. Um, he said he doesn't go in the locker room. Which makes no sense to me. Either that's, again, that's one of those things where if it's true, that's insane. And if it's a lie, that's worse. Like, I don't understand why you would admit to that or even say that. Because if it's true, then you're completely checked out. And if it's not, then why would you I get it conceptually. Like, you want to give the players their their sanctuary, their, their safe space, if sure. you will. But uh, it... It's you can see how it leads to a situation like this when left unchecked, if that's even the reality of the situation, right. because it seems if if the allegations are correct, it's it's hard to imagine that Fitz did not have direct knowledge of what has been going on here. And now the interesting thing is a lot of what was being alleged was in a timeline of over the last Almost twenty uh, years, two or three years, going into the COVID, go the COVID nineteen pandemic around yeah. that time. Um, so really short term, uh, in terms of what had immediately surfaced, uh, the the investigation that led to Fitz getting suspended for right. two weeks and then ultimately fired today. What was interesting is that, as you alluded to, now that more uh, players are coming out and relaying their experience to the Daily Northwestern, the allegations of racism are from a player that was there as far back as, I believe, around 2008, I believe, was his last year playing on the team. So given Fitzgerald has been there since 2006 – and there's been a, a wall of not only players on the, the team, pr- past and yep. present, but also Northwestern, you know, Medill School of Journalism media figures that have come out and tried to defend the image of Fitzgerald prior to the school taking firm action. Uh, it, it just, it, the whole situation is just a complete mess. And, uh, you know, it's like you said, there's so many little different details that seem to come out every hour as we're talking about this, that it's, it almost seems like it's easy for us to miss something, but I, I I don't think you can overstate it. This is the biggest story of the off season in college football, and it's already affected Northwestern's, uh, football team. It's going to affect their larger athletic department because now the baseball coach is also implicated in a lot of this. So we don't know how deep this rabbit hole goes throughout their whole team. They tried to hire a, uh, new athletic director two years ago who, only lasted 10 days because when they hired him, he was named as the defendant in a title nine lawsuit with the plaintiff being a Northwestern cheerleader. (laughs) So it, 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 this, the whole situation has just been a mess and there's just been trying to, there's a whole aura of sweep under the rug for the last two years while this was going on that the victim alleges happened under Fitzgerald and I, we don't know what's gonna come, what other details are gonna come out, but the fact that there's been so much resistance up front as more and more experiences are coming to light, and the students continue to do really good journalism and uncover the truth, 
this situation is getting just uglier and more horrendous by the minute, which is why I referred to it as a Shrek swampland, not only because of uh, the material that was on the whiteboard in that locker room, evidently. Everything that you're talking about, right? All of this stuff where this has been going on for years, allegedly, that uh, you would have to be, I mean... Northwestern is not. It's been there a decade and a half. That's what I'm saying. And and like this only came to light. You had former players talking to uh, the Northwestern student newspaper is what led this, this stuff to be broken and to be talked about. That to me is what's really interesting about the story from like a media perspective, because I mean, obviously what actually happened will have to be hashed out. There'll be investigations, all that kind of stuff. Just because you fired Pat Fitzgerald does not mean that, you know, that's that ends there, right? Because this is something that goes on for a long time. But what a failure on the part of Northwestern and the media around Northwestern to report on this kind of stuff. If that was if that was something that was happening, even if it wasn't known, that was the job of the people to find that out. And I got to tell you something, that – that is something that is not like people are going to look at Northwestern and go, oh, well, you know, that that wouldn't happen here. You know, we, we've got a better culture than that, blah, blah, blah. How like Northwestern was held up as this paragon of culture, right? It's this it's this private school in the Big Ten. It's highly selective. You've got Pat Fitzgerald, who was seen as this really clean, squeaky clean dude. And if you're having that kind of stuff happen in his program, you got to believe that it's happening in other programs. And it's it's. To me, a clarion call to everybody else to say, hey, man, start paying attention. And big ups, huge kudos to that student newspaper, right, at, at Northwestern, because the reporting that they were able to do and get done the day, at the Daily Northwestern, that's big time stuff. They had four people on that initial uh, reporting, and they they did a great job. And that's that's what you're supposed to do. And a lot of people are like, well you know, I don't want the media snooping around or, you know, this is why we don't like it when people do X, Y, and Z. Well, that's their job. And I think they did an excellent job at Northwestern in this case, the student newspaper did, of of doing the kind of reporting that needs to be done when something like this is happening. They did. What uh, what concerns me is somebody uh, at Northwestern named the uh, whistleblower on Twitter today in a statement that they put out. And even though the Daily at Northwestern has done great journalism, I'm concerned that that action is going to uh, make it harder for more of these victims to come forward and share their experiences. As we saw, some were already willing to do in the immediate aftermath of one person being willing to come Mm -hmm. forward. But the resistance that has already happened, not just on behalf of trying to preserve the image of Pat Fitzgerald, but the football culture at Northwestern generally has been perplexing and bizarre to the point that now we're seeing whistleblowers in sexual harassment cases being name dropped in in public like yeah. this from people that are trying to preserve whatever is left of you know the the proud northwestern football tradition in the modern era i mean like this is just absolutely unthinkable that this is unfolding in as quickly as it has but 
the thing that makes it so bizarre relative to other cases that we've seen is that Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, there was not the sort of high-level, transparent, flat resistance to those stories from major media Mm. that we've seen in the case of Northwestern here, at least in terms of media that has an alignment with the school, as figures such as Darren Ravel have professed to doing with Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald. So the entire aura around this story is just something that's very fascinating to watch. And every every fan of every school in the Big Ten should be paying very close attention to what happens over the next two months relative to what goes forward here. Because the school wanted to keep Pat Fitzgerald. They were only going to suspend him for two and weeks. And then other people had to If come that forward. witness hadn't come out and spoken, right. Pat Fitzgerald would still be employed right. right now. And what direction would the program be headed? And that's, in? you know what, that's my other major point about all of this, besides the weirdness and how it's being reported and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, just in general, that it's such a, a shocking story in a lot of ways. The other thing is, that's, that's what's so wrong with hazing. And I think a lot of people, you know, like, I think back to when I was playing, you know, soccer in high school and, and whatnot. And like, we, like there was hazing that went on nothing like this. I mean, nothing like this, but it was still like stupid, dumb high schooler stuff. And when, uh, you know, I was a senior and I was on the soccer team, whatever, like we basically just said, we're not doing it because we didn't care. It wasn't something that was like interesting or important to us. We didn't think it mattered at all. Now it might've happened you know, without us knowing or something like that. But like as seniors, we're just like, we don't, this is stupid. The thing though is, is that a lot of people go through that and they go, well, it's just a little bit of hazing. It's just people goofing off. It's it Bill's team cohesion. And I think there's this like attitude sometimes that it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Like if you read through some of the stuff, I can see where somebody would be like, oh, it's whatever. That's just goofy crap, people messing around. And the problem is, is that not only is hazing like assault, right? Not only is it wrong on the face of it, but what it does is is it creates this culture where you can't talk about it, right? Where you can't talk about that experience. So you're not going to talk about other experiences. You're not going to talk about the bad stuff that happened to make you part of the team. So anything else that happens bad within the team has to stay in our locker room within ourselves. We can't talk to the media. We can't talk to other people about it because that's, that's how we run things. And when you create that insular kind of environment, that's when you allow really bad stuff to happen. So, again, I kudos to the, the former players who spoke out about this because that's such a hard thing to do when you created a, an insular culture that prevents people from talking. And, you know, again, that's a hard thing to go up against because you just said, like, with the media, with Northwestern fans, I'm sure former players, they're, they're probably super angry about this. So they, they feel like they just messed up a good thing that they had going. Um, but if that good thing was built on hazing and intimidation and, you know, like that kind of like culture, then it, it, it wasn't a good thing. It shouldn't have continued. At the uh, risk of sounding redundant, hazing is a hazy term. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's, a, there's a veil around that term in terms of the, the scope. Right. And if you go look at, I mean, if you bring that up, I think with, you know, half a dozen different people they'll all give you a different definition of what it means to them 
That was something that I saw that played out in the comments of the the news that I published about this on 11 right. Warriors uh, yesterday, because a lot of the comments about hazing got downvoted because it was people that were trying to say what happened here wasn't really right. a big deal. And I, uh, you know, I, I was in at Ohio's, I mean, I, I, when I was at Ohio state, in 2000 i started attending in 2012 and that was an interesting time to be there because i don't i'm not sure if you recall this but there was that was a very controversial year for greek life because uh the sammy fraternity got banned from campus i believe uh in spring semester so after the fall of 2012 Mm -hmm. and uh i after that i actually rushed phi delt um and i got hazed but in terms of what I was expecting, there were different things that you could expect based on where you were going into, not just based on a, a Greek life setting, but also the school that you were right. at. I heard horrible stories about, and this was something I was worried about because my brother went to Denison, and I, I heard terrible things about the stuff that some of the, the kids in the fraternities had done there. And there was nothing relative to what like I was expecting at Ohio State. But I, I still was, when I would hear that term, I knew how far that some people could take that. And people that, you know, pride themselves on using it for abuse, they are able to use that term hazing as a way of masking right. abuse right. and creating situations like the ones that you see in these fraternities or locker rooms where you are able to say, oh, it's just hazing and it's all in good fun when, you know, you're really just trying to use it as an excuse to get away with behavior that otherwise wouldn't be acceptable. The thing that you can tell I, with people that are trying to absolve themselves of what, what is going on here a lot. It's, it's interesting when you look at the language of like, the the statement that the entire Northwestern team put out allegedly, I believe late Saturday night, where it was even signed the entire right, Northwestern right, right. football team with entire in all caps. Who is speaking? Who feels the need to speak for the entire team at such a late hour? Uh, it's such a tenuous time where, you know, you're trying to absolve everything and make the situation go away it's it it, you can recognize these sort of patterns in behavior and it'll be interesting to see what other names come out in terms of who knew about this and who was complicit in it and who is now trying to cover their tracks because you're very rapidly seeing a lot of different parties that are trying to either make this go away or downplay what happened already. And the action that has needed to take place here righteously has begun to, we're seeing it go into effect, but there's still so many other things that need to happen here relative to the response that has taken place with this story that it, it it's just very, very sad to see, honestly. As someone that grew up in Chicago and was a Northwestern fan, for I, I was in the Wildcat Kids Club with a former 
Northwestern quarterback Zach Kustak, who went on to the Green Bay Packers in 2000. And I remember that before any Ohio State memories, two years before Ohio State won the national championship. So for me to watch what has taken place here the last 48 hours and going back to last week when they suspended Fitz, it's it's a tragedy. This is the one academic institution that I felt could turn their nose up to Michigan in the Big Ten my entire life. And I don't feel like this school has any reason to have any pride right now or until it's going to take a long time for them to absolve themselves of this sin. This this is bad. And and the details are only going to get worse. They get worse by... Well, and that's one of the things, I mean, we do, I think, have to you know, kind of do a wait and see kind of thing. We're saying the word like allegedly a lot, right? Like there's, we're still really early in this story. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Fitz well, is gone saying, now, People man. be like, oh, well, Pat, Pat's, Pat's gone. Fitz is gone. So that's the end of the story. And it's not. I mean, there still has to be a lot, as you said, a lot to be done to understand the full scope of what really has been happening and what it's actually looked like. And that's going to require a lot of good journalism. That's going to require a lot of bravery on, I think, some people's parts. Um in a way that maybe, you know, people were unwilling to, to have or to do, um, you know, before all this kind of broke out. So, you know, right now, I, I think it's in the midst of all of this, uh, Paul Kennedy, which was uh, the associate AD for strategic initiatives and communications. He was essentially their, their media guy, um, has departed for now the Big Ten. Uh, he's going to be the, uh, the vice president of sports communication. So in the midst of all this, Northwestern's Media dudes, like said, peace out. I'm out. See you guys. I'm going to the Big Ten, which is, you know, again, just down the street. But in the meantime, so Fitz is gone. Uh, David Brown is now the uh, the acting coach. He um, was an FCS coordinator at North Dakota State, which is, you know, no no small shakes. I mean, that, that's a you know pretty big time program. He's the uh, the interim coach. I, I don't know what Northwestern. I don't know where they go from here. A lot of people have been suggesting a bunch of different names. I think they're still so far in flux right now that who knows what their next step is. They got a stadium to build. Yeah, that's the, that was the thing, you know, and I was thinking about that too. We talked about that a little bit before we started recording, and I'm like, they've got all this money plunked down on their big, shiny new stadium. I'm sure they thought Fitz was going to lead them into, you know, this glorious new, you know, era of Northwestern football, which I also wonder – I mean, maybe this is just the cynic in me, but if Northwestern doesn't play as just god-awful garbage football as they did last season, is this the kind of story that gets that gets smoothed over, right? Like, if they if they go to the Big Ten Championship or something like that again, right, instead of having a horrendous last season, does this get papered over? Is this something that, like, becomes a story regardless? Um, and they've got that big honking stadium they want to build, and that's great they got to figure out a dude who's going to be able to justify it. And I don't know if that causes this to, if that throws a wrench in everything, I don't know what that does for this, this program, but it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they try to program. It's, it's ground zero because Pat Fitzgerald was their entire brand. They had everything invested into the guy. I mean, you've, you made jokes about it before. It's not just the stadium. They they have a a, a a glass pane practice facility on Lake yeah. Michigan that already cost a, a boatload of money. They invested a, a, everything into this guy being the front of their uh, push to try to be a legitimate athletic department, 
And you can just see that one of the things that I think kind of reflects what has happened in there overall is I, I, I saw a, I, I mean, cause I grew up in Chicago. I have, you know, friends that are alma maters there. I have a, a friend whose father was out on Twitter this weekend saying, I'm trying to contact the PR for Northwestern as an alumnus, and I'm not happy about what is going on and nobody's picking well, up yeah. the phone. I think our I think our friend Mr. Kennedy cut the cord and uh, took a knee for the f- entire fourth quarter. Yeah, he's, he's not picking that one up. <laughs> they, nobody has had anything to say. They're just all ostriches with their heads in the sand, and it goes down not just for PR but the athletic department. They're just saying, "Go do whatever." We're turning a blind eye, not paying attention. I, well, I think right now they're they're probably in panic mode. I mean, I'm sure there's you know well, now I'm they sure have to deal with it. Else. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> Well, no, there isn't, and I, I think because Eleven Warriors is talking about it. That's, that's right. The Dubcast, the Dubcast is talking about it. Like I said, I don't know where they go from here. I, I, I honestly don't. I and and again, we've we don't know how much can be substantiated. We don't know how much is true. All that kind of stuff. But that's why you do the reporting. That's why you do the investigations. I will just say this. If it's not acceptable at Northwestern, it's not acceptable at Minnesota, it's not acceptable at Michigan, it's not acceptable at Michigan State, it's not acceptable at Purdue, and it's certainly not acceptable at Ohio State. Um, And that is, again, a reminder to everybody that that's something that you have to, you know, have a standard and hold people accountable when that kind of stuff is happening, no matter where it's at. And, And people go, well, it couldn't happen here. Well, it happened in Northwestern, or at least allegedly. And if that ends up being true, then... That's that I think is an indication that you got to keep your head on the swivel no matter what. So we'll see what goes from here. Again, big ups to the Daily Northwestern for it, you know kind of initiating a lot of that reporting, um, doing the legwork. Another thing that I just want to mention kind of briefly here before we get to ask us anything uh, there, you know, Christina Johnson, right? Ohio State uh, president, former Ohio State president. She resigned kind of abruptly. People were a little surprised by that. Big ups to The Lantern, right? Great student newspaper. We've got some excellent friends uh, at The Lantern and, and people who have come from The Lantern and, and done some great you know, reporting and writing for us and other places. Uh, they were able to, um, to go ahead and, and get a copy of the agreement uh, between uh, the former president of the university, uh, basically saying that Johnson can't speak negatively about the university. Um, it, 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 the quote is derogatory or disparaging statements that uh, the board of trustees related employees can't make against her and essentially ended up being um, I think it was like two so I'm reading $278,100 in one year for $927,000 base salary so kind of a, an NDA a little, little interesting how that kind of played out but again Great reporting on the behalf of student newspapers, and I'm glad they're out there, you know, hitting the pavement and doing doing the, that work. I mean, again, I'm super proud of what we do at Eleven Warriors, but there's a whole ecosystem that has to contribute to the reporting on a massive institution like Ohio State or any university, and uh, I think they should be proud of the work that they've done. Guardians of Truth are at a premium right now. I was very, <laughs> I was very honored to make sure that the the story of what was happening with Northwestern got heard by a wider Big Ten audience this weekend. Yeah, so I tip my cap to the aspiring Ohio State student journalists as well as those in Evanston at Northwestern University that are that will one day proudly say that they went to Medill with as much smugness as Darren Ravel does. <laughs> That's right. 
Darrenville blocked me. Uh, I, I got, uh, I got, I'll admit, I got, I got a little, I got my dander up one night. I was watching an HBO show and I was kind of bored. And um, Darren Ravel had, this is a long time ago. I, I could probably look up the exact night, but Darren Ravel tweeted out something incredibly stupid as he is known to do. And I, I made it my mission to just get him to block me. So I basically just tweeted things at him for like two hours, like how much I like thought he sucked and was terrible. And that's probably the most important thing that I've done in the social media space since I started working at Love Warriors. So I'm proud of that. I've mostly um, stayed out of Twitter journalism beefs, but I did a few years ago make Brett McMurphy look like a dumbass. There's nothing wrong with that. That's I think that's that's totally acceptable. more than he does by himself with his mustache. That's why he's not on TV anymore, despite what he wishes ESPN had. He needs to grow it out into a handlebar. I don't know why he's doing like the half and half thing. It's not it's not working either. That he or needs, like he needs like- to get out of Zach Smith's Amazon shopping cart. That's what he needs. To <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, <laughs> so that's that's that story it's ridiculous it's insane but we're going to keep following it um again you know it's just because pat fitzgerald is gone does not mean that the whole thing is gone again i don't know who they're going to replace him with david shaw i think we, we talked a little about it in slack before we uh started recording david shaw i thought was a good suggestion from garrett um I don't know. I mean, some people have been looking. They're saying Heartline. Yeah, that's dumb. I was making a joke when I said that. I don't think Brian. I think if Brian Heartline is uh, headed anywhere, it's it's going to be to the NFL. I don't see that happening um, anytime soon. I do think it's it'll be interesting to see where some of these hotshot um, coordinators at Michigan, who have also been making waves, not just you know. I mean, people talk about Heartline all the time, but. Um, you know, there's some dudes over at Michigan who they might take a take a look at, uh, particularly as you know Harbaugh, you know, keeps flirting with the NFL. They might go like, you know what, may not be a bad idea. See what we can do there. Uh, Sean Mark, he's he's a good he's a good candidate. I think. I think one dark horse candidate would be uh, Mike Kafka, who was a quarterback for them. Albeit it was under Fitz, so right. if they if they want to rinse themselves of the brand entirely, which I don't think is necessarily the wrong decision, it, you might just want to go in a completely new direction, which honestly is best for the whole athletic department. But if you do want to get someone that's at least familiar with the school, which I can understand and appreciate. Uh, Mike this Kafka. is a Michigan man moment, right? Like, are they gonna? Are they gonna like? Oh well, Kaf- well, but Kafka played quarterback for them. That's the thing, and he's got NFL assistant experience. So I, I don't know if they're gonna go poach someone from in conference. I would think it's either gonna be a brand new person, like completely. Well, I mean, unexpected. this is a Michigan man moment in the sense that they want to bring in a Northwestern dude because they got to have a guy who quote unquote fits the culture, right? Like, oh, we got to bring in a guy who bleeds purple and white because that's that's what's you know successful here in well, but i mean the fact that kafka's got the nfl like brand on him as sure. a coach that that's like we need we need to bring professionalism we need to we need to do what ohio state has done where they've you know basically like we we hold ourselves to the standard of the pro and we try to run our ship the same way right and we don't do any of the silly uh shrek swampland stuff that goes on with the wildcats which yeah, it, it, not only is it wrong and stupid and bad, it's also like completely amateur hour too, right? Isn't it? Isn't it? Like, is it like 
again, Northwestern is supposed to be above all that stuff. But you know, as you're reading the details, you're like, is this like a middle school team? Like, what the hell? Like, how how could a team in the Big Ten in this major college football be doing this childish BS? I just want to remind everyone that they lost to Southern Illinois, uh, thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, I believe the second or third game of last season. So hopefully. The the events that have uh, come to light in, in recent uh, days shed some context on why that team may have lost to an FCS school at home. Right. So correct. Uh, all right. So that's that's that story. We're gonna go ahead and shift to ask us anything. But before we do that, we do want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at elevenwarriors.com. Drygoods.elevenwarriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Uh, you can also, by the way, if you decide that you want to ask us anything, you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, and we'll go with Kevin. Uh, Kevin says, we are on vacation in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. It is pretty nice, but San Francisco is my favorite place to visit. Where is your favorite place to go for a nice summer vacation? If I can go anywhere. How about this? Let's do okay. So if you go anywhere, and then like a casual one that you want, you know, like not break the bank. So we're not talking about once yeah. in a lifetime, but like one that you would revisit. Yeah, because here's the problem. Like I, I live in Florida. Like I, I literally, I go drive right. to the beach <laughs> like twenty. I'm, I go watch the sunrise I've in Miami Beach in ten over minutes. Over Bay, like I, like I feel like there's a whole lot of traveling that you need to do. To have a sweet vacation. I'll go take a boat to the Caribbean or something. I don't know. There you go. Uh, that, that's my casual option, only because, right. you know, I could just get in and go. If I can go right. anywhere, uh, I think the most beautiful place in the world I've been is Santorini, Greece. So I would like that to That would be sick. That would be a really cool visit. Um, I've seen, like, videos and stuff from there. I'm like, man, that is that is unbelievable. I, I've been a lot of cool places, honestly. I've been lucky enough in my life. I've been to Hawaii for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, a lot of people know I used to live in Japan. So I've seen a lot of, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. I've lived in Japan, so I've seen a lot of cool stuff. To me, the most beautiful, insane, scenic stuff that I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, my wife and I did our honeymoon uh, in part in Zermatt, Switzerland, and in the Alps, and we went up to a place like Gornergrot where you can like overlook the Matterhorn. And that was some fantasy Lord of the Rings stuff. Like it was the most insane, crazy experience I've ever had in my entire life. You take this cog wheel uh, train up this mountain and it costs like 150 bucks to get on this freaking train. And it's worth at least a thousand. Like it is unbelievable that, that experience. So that to me was like number one thing. I've seen in my life. And I would love to see more of that, like, you know, go to, you know, Scandinavia or Iceland or something like that. But for me I'm personally, that was, too. that was bonkers. Now, yeah. casually, uh, my wife and I really like going up to, uh, to Michigan on the lake. I, I think Lake Michigan is utterly beautiful. I love it. Johnny, um, know your audience. Come on. You no, I don't say care. Nice. No, you no, cannot like say me. nice things about that place on this show. Yes, I, I can. I know where you're coming from. I've been there Frank, myself. That's what I'm saying, but, man. Frankfurt, Michigan. I want. We went to Frankfurt, Michigan, for a few years ago. For few years ago. It's beautiful. You go to Sleeping Bear Dunes. It's unbelievable. I mean, the whole so thing. I've man. been to like, Sagatuck. I've been yeah. to Redamax. It's it. I when we're in when we're in the Buckeye Zone. No, <laughs> not allowed. 
Well, you know what I'll do? We like doing the B&B thing in Hocking Hills as well. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not worth the trip in, in Ohio. I'm just saying, man, Lake Michigan is utterly beautiful. And you can view Lake Michigan from Wisconsin. You can view it from Illinois. I'm just saying it is a heck of a time. So that is, as far as like a short, cheap summer trip goes, I'm, I'm all about that. I think that's a great place to So when out. you and your wife go to Santorini, Greece... Yeah. You will start at the uh, base of what is probably like a mountain when you you know get the boat over there or whatever because it's a lot of islands that are like high up like cliffed out. Sure, yeah. And then you know bluest deep blue ocean water that you've ever seen anywhere that matches like all the roofs of the white buildings mm-hmm. all over the islands. It's fabulous. But you got to take a. Uh, a, a donkey or a mule ride up there usually oh, there's wow. like a pretty clear path to do it when i went with my family and we went like my whole dad's side of the family we did like a whole trip together and Ed, they all opted to take the donkeys up and you should t- opt to do that as well because my mother and i did not opt to do that we were the only two that decided not to we said we'll just walk it'll be you know good exercise or whatever <laughs> we don't need to you know we we're really think about it so they get up there. They obviously beat us, but they're going to wait for us and whatever, and it's fine. It is a little right. bit, you know, more of a – because it's a zigzaggy path. It's, it's more of a slog. Right. Well, we should have gone up because the the way up is the same way down. Right. And all the, and all the donkeys go up at the same time. Yeah. And so they all come down at the same time. Right. <laughs> and they all eat at the same time, and they all That's sleep right. at the same time. And what what do animals do other than eat and sleep? I believe they all poop at the same yeah, time. That, that's correct. So they all come down at the after you know a haul up there, and then they're all coming down. And my uh, and my mother and I see this stampede coming at us. That's and we're, we get all we get pressed up against the wall because we're like, all right, this is not good. And of course, after this, it's it's like if you've seen the Lion King and you've seen the wall of hyenas or <laughs> wildebeest coming down. That's literally yeah. what it was like. And. After it had finally cleared, uh, instead of, you know, uh, Mufasa's carcass lying there, it's it's a whole bunch of just feast, donkey feces. And we had to carefully, you know, maneuver around this like a minefield all the way up there. And then That's finally awesome. got to enjoy Santorini, Greece. But my point is to you and all the dear listeners, if you ever do make it out to that part of the world, just take it on the chin and and saddle up a donkey don't trek it on foot my family i, I feel like i've got uh mule blood and in, in my in my stock in the ginter stock because my you know my grandparents on my dad's side are sharecroppers farmers you know that's in there and then when my grandfather uh was drafted in world war ii uh, you know a lot of these guys they go they go fight in d-day or they liberate sicily or you know they you know, they, they, they fight in Okinawa or some kind of crazy stuff or they're in the Navy, you know, they're, they're John F. Kennedy and they're dragging dudes, you know, by the belt with their teeth and saving them after five miles of open ocean swimming. Uh, my grandfather was on a mule train in Indochina and he was on the best damn mule train in Indochina, but that's what he did. And that's because that's, he had experience as a farm kid working with mules. So I'll, I'll take a mule ride any day of the week. I'm all about it. I'll, I'll ride on absolutely nice uh real, by the way real quick kevin's got a a bonus question this is kind of a bigger one and maybe we can just shoot from the hip and then we can move on and then revisit it later but uh kevin's in the airport 
and he got the college football preview magazine from Lindy's, uh, and they picked Georgia to win the national championship, and they put Ohio State number three right behind Michigan. Who do we think at this point in the year on July 10th, 2023, uh, who will win the national championship? They put Michigan at number two. Admit Michigan at number two, Ohio State number three, Georgia number one. Uh, I, I, it's how do you say at this point? It's chill. We got we got two more months. You Georgia's know, Georgia's not gonna three peat. I don't see that happen. I think that's bonkers. I think it could happen. I mean, it could. You know. Their their schedule is like the complete biggest pos garbage schedule in the history of unless they commit another 300 you know traffic citations between now and january right which they might i mean it's it's definitely within the realm of possibility i don't know man i i think i mean i don't think anybody would hate on lindy's for making that uh making that ranking i think they've they've all kind of those teams have kind of earned it and ohio state's got obvious questions at quarterback and other places and michigan you know Talent-wise, they're bringing back a ton of dudes. Um, and then Georgia's losing a guy who's, like, not that great. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I couldn't really tell you. I think if I were making my rankings, that's what i do. And if I'd say just based on terms of talent and then ability to get to the national championship game because of their schedule, I think Georgia's I – would, I would say that's a fair call. I, I don't want to see them win three in a row. I think that would be insane and, and irritating, but – that's as good a bet as any, I think, at this point. So we'll see how that goes. Hail to purple, hail to white, yes, hail no. to the northwestern. Yeah, yeah, so. I'm guessing. I'm guessing not. they're gonna rally, Johnny. Yeah. Okay. They might win. They might double their win total from 2022. Uh, so uh, this is from Matt in Minneapolis, who actually doesn't have a question. He just wanted to talk about Musk versus uh, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, so he says, this? yeah, and he says he's taking Zuck all the way. I knew it. Uh, age factor, which is uh, real. Uh, he's been training Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a long time, and Musk is an overweight, out of shape POS. Uh, Matt says, I'm five foot six and a solid. He says 1705 right now. I assume he meant 175. Uh, I don't think he weighs 1,705 pounds. Uh, I regularly plant submit guys in combat sports who have six inches and 100 pounds on me simply because who think they can take me simply because they're bigger. Matt, okay, dude, relax. Matt, not do you even live, bro? This is allegedly Matt in Minneapolis who says, oh. I do this on the BJJ mat in an octagon and a boxing ring or even on a wrestling mat. Training age and overall fitness trump size every time when dealing with human combat sports. Thank you for agreeing with me, Matt in Minneapolis. That's cute, Matt. I I bet on fights, and I'm very good at it, and I said the same thing last week. And I don't need any Brazilian jiu-jitsu training to come to that conclusion. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Last one here. This is from our good friend Alvin. Uh, who wants to know if you could choose uh, an MB- to be an NBA or NFL team owner, which team would you choose and what changes would you make? Oh, that's a good question. That's um, great I would, I would absorb the Cleveland Browns and dissolve them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't see that coming, and I should have seen that coming, and I'm pissed at myself for not. Um, that's a good one. I would pick, and well, I don't know. 
I'm try I would want the one with the least amount of drama, but I feel like you're gonna get an equal amount of drama in the NFL and NBA just for various reasons. Like there's just too much because the NBA is almost like fueled by drama in a lot of ways. Like people love the you know the interpersonal stuff. And then the NFL, there's just so many people you have to account for. Um I don't know. I think I'd go NBA and I think I'd go to a team like I'd want to own a team with really like medium to low expectations that don't really, you know what I mean? Like a team that you don't really like if like Milwaukee, I think is an ideal situation for a lot of reasons because you win a you win a championship. They've won a championship recently. So you're like, Oh, well then that's it. Then they don't have to do that for another 40 years and they'll be okay. As long as they're getting the playoffs, nobody really gives a crap. Um, Frankly, I would want to be an MLB team owner more than NBA or NFL because, first of all, that's an easier gig. Secondly, you don't have to spend a lot of money to field a decent team, and not even a decent team. You don't have to spend a lot of money to be profitable in major leagues. Um, I would say MLB, honestly, and I would go with my my beloved Reds, but I would at least try to make them competitive and good, which now they are. Now they're awesome, and Joey Votto still bangs. So I would have to go with the Reds, man. I, I would try not to screw up the franchise. It would be hard. It'd be hard to any worse than than Bob has. So that's how that goes. In um, all seriousness, I'd I'd take control of the Bears and I'd I'd fix a lot of their problems. But you know, well, you know, I I, I don't know. They could be just forever cursed, as are the Browns. Maybe they're locked in eternal. I would, I would ensure that Justin Fields' career is not wasted. Which I, is which I sadly don't think is out day. of the question at this point, unfortunately. No, I know. And and that's gonna be a topic for another day because I I truly want that guy to be successful. I think he's the most talented Ohio State quarterback maybe ever. And if he gets screwed over in the NFL, I'm gonna be livid. Um I mean he already is kind of, but you know what I'm saying. Um all right, so that's ask us anything. Thank you for sending those questions in. We'll continue to answer them. A few things before we get out of here. We would be remiss if we didn't mention that Ohio State continues to add in the recruiting trail on the defensive end, in particular, four-star cornerback Miles Lockhart has committed to Ohio State. Um, not a huge shock there, but that's pretty great. He's from Chandler, Arizona, uh, 5'10", 185. You look at this dude's film, I think, first of all, two things kind of jump out at me. Uh, one good, one maybe not as good. He is a dude who likes to, to mix it up. He is not afraid of contact. He will hit, he runs after guys like he is, he's in the thick of it. He's not a, um, a guy who shies away, I think from the kind of football that they'll be wanting him to play as kind of that slot uh, coverage guy. However, I feel like his tackling needs to be improved a little bit. He's a dude who tackles a lot with his shoulders, with his like forearms. He doesn't wrap up a whole lot. That's something that he's going to have to, to work on a little bit. With that said, four-star, you love to see it, uh, super athletic, seems to be really good at diagnosing plays and figuring out where the ball is going to go. Um, so, you know, heads-up guy, heady guy. I, I'm, I'm excited to have him on the team. Another dude that we're kind of waiting for a little bit is Aaron Scott. And uh, Aaron Scott, you know, that's a dude who a lot of people, um, I think, have been anticipating uh, will be an Ohio State Buckeye. He's from Springfield, Ohio, so local dude. Um, you know, another guy at cornerback who I think can make a pretty big impact. So you get both of those guys in, hopefully. Um, that'll be a huge, huge boom to the defense, especially just in the next year or two, I think. 
I th- the thing that I really liked um, looking into Miles Lockhart was when the I something that really I don't like is that when Ohio State loses big games at home late in the season, fans freak out about the recruiting implications. Oh yeah, yeah, and right. Something that I thought was good that uh, Garrick highlighted in uh, Lockhart's story was that he was at the Michigan game. Mm -hmm. And a few months later, he said that he knew in his heart that he was going to commit to Ohio State. And then six months later, you know, now we're at this point in June. So whatever happened you know as bad as that game ended for ohio state at home that did not sour the impression of the of you know a a high school player's evaluation of his ability to succeed and thrive at ohio state even seeing ohio state get put in their most vulnerable and uh, compromising position that we've seen from them, I think, in recent seasons. At home, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah, at home. So, yes. it, uh, you know, I hope that this kind of helps shatter that illusion for some fans that hold on to that kind of like, oh my God, we can't, if we lose these big games at home, it's such a disaster for recruiting implications. It's, you have to just let, you have to evaluate players on an individual basis. And that goes into the same way, just in terms of interpreting their thinking. That's one of the reasons why I said last week, I don't like obsessing over the decision-making of teenagers in the recruiting process. Everybody's an individual. They have a different way of, you know, going through and thinking about things and deciding their own future. And I'm glad that Lockhart has come to the conclusion that he can help uh, rebound from what he saw in November last year. Yeah, and two quotes I really like from the dude, first of all, was uh, I definitely want to get my black stripe off first in my position group and I want to stay on top of academics and fight for my spot. I love that. Uh, I just like the the fact that a guy just wants to compete immediately. And then I also like that he said in reference to Aaron Scott, we're going to get Aaron. We've got to get Aaron. We're on him a lot, so we've got to get him. So he's already, like, out there recruiting and getting dudes in. Like, come on, man, let's go. Let's, I love guys like that. I love it when guys are like that. That's – that's when we talk about, like, positive team cohesion, that's what we're talking about. It's out in the open. You're, like, being friendly with dudes. It's not, like, overbearing or hazy. It's just this is a great environment. Let's be a part of it. I love it. I love that stuff. That's awesome. Uh, a couple quick things before we get out of here. First of all, as as dumb as and, and stupid and just awful as the Northwestern stuff is, um, what's going on with San Diego State is incredibly funny to me because it is like the biggest self-own that I think we've seen from a large school like this. Like San Diego State had this huge Final Four run right in basketball. Uh, they've been kind of on the upswing in football. Brady Hoke's back and doing some good things here. And they basically said to the Mountain West, they're like, screw it, we're out, bye. We're too good for you. You guys suck, we're awesome. pac is going to suck us up, Big 12, whatever. We're going to join some awesome, cool conference. Uh, Big 12 ghosted them, and uh, the Pac-12 says they have no interest. So, Or at least hasn't made any kind of indication that they have interest. So SDSU who as of now is basically not part of the Mountain West anymore, is now kind of saying like, 
well, I don't know, maybe we're still in it. Maybe we're still here. So they're pulling the George Costanza move and showing back up to work after they've been fired. The Bob and that one's like, no, you're not here. You're out. So the, the I, I don't know what they're going to do for the next, they got like a month to get this together, right? Like this is not, this is something they got to figure out pretty quickly. It's funny um, that you invoke George Costanza. I, cause I, I would compare it actually to uh, Kevin Warren in the sense that this is a, a conference that wants to make a big money move, a big splash, yeah. and they don't actually, you know, get through all the red tape and make sure that they can actually do all these things right. and that they have all the, the sign-off the on these agreements. Right. They're like, no, I'm, I'm a big picture guy. So let's, we're, we're going to just make it happen. You right. know, and now they tried to this speak it into existence, and uh, existence said no, not not quite yet. Sorry, I, I just think of poor Brady Hoke. What he's <laughs> caught in the middle of all this, Kettering native Brady Hoke, um, southwestern Ohio dude. If you if yeah. you want to know what Michigan does to a guy, look at Brady Hoke's uh, chin then compared to what he looks That's like crazy. now. Yeah, he's, I mean, dude's thriving, but hopefully actually has a conference to do it in. Um, last thing, Mike Conley, uh, still still in the NBA, still kicking butt. As you mentioned earlier, uh, at one point, the highest paid player in NBA history, Mike Conley, for a few, for, for a literal few hours. Um, won the 2023 NBA Sportsmanship Award. Guess what? This is the fourth time I guess he's won that. Conley throughout his career, a lot of people talk negatively about some of these guys in the NBA. Conley is a solid, solid dude. And I don't think you would find very many people in the NBA who have anything bad to say about that guy. He is an incredibly well-liked player. Um, and I'm, you know, my hat's off to that guy. He's been around for a long time. And uh, I think he deserves all the accolades and all the money and all the fame and fortune that he's gotten because he's, he's, he's great. He's an awesome guy. He w- he was surprised to win the award, which was funny. It's like, dude, you've won it three times. You're, yeah. you're really you're really shocked that you got another one. Like, come on, uh, he's, a good dude. he's. But I mean, it just speaks to how humble that he is that he wasn't expecting it when he went up to go get it and then had to give the award speech and they interviewed him about it. I mean, he, uh, you know, Buckeye fans, I I hope you give him his roses because he deserves them. Like we. We try to block out that era just because Odin completely didn't pan out in the NBA the way that right. we wanted him to. And we didn't get the national championship we thought we were going to get with those guys. And so it's been nice to see Conley become such a great player in his own right, even though he hasn't had a lot of you know high-level visible NBA success to point to in terms of you know, highlight caliber, uh, memorable accomplishments. But he's but been a very guy, good player for a long time. I mean, dude's been in the NBA for 16 seasons. Like he, He's been like the floor for starting point guards, I think, for well over a decade. It's yeah. it, The guy has been doing it at that level that you want for a starter more consistently for a decade and a half than almost anybody else playing and people lament like, oh, we wish, you know, we had bigger names or all-star guys that were Ohio State guys in the NBA. And we've had this guy for so long, and I don't think that he's gotten the roses from Buckeye fans that he necessarily is deserved. So 
I'm yeah. I'm worried when he finally retires, everyone's gonna come out and say, "Oh my God, we should have appreciated one of my favorite more. players of all time, Michael." Right. So you know, give him his yeah. love while he's still in the league. You know, he's still killing it. So I agree. I absolutely agree. So that's that's the last thing that we have for you this week. Uh, we will again be back next week to discuss all the comings and goings here of of Ohio State sports, larger college sports world at large. And I'm sure there will be lots to talk about probably the day of our recording, I would imagine, because that seems to be the way that it's been going. Uh, But until next week, I'm Johnny. And we'll see you then.